Welcome to the Community Development Podcast. A podcast dedicated to community development practice and approaches, sharing our learning and connecting the workforce. My name is Russell. So, welcome to episode 39. Uh, My name is Russell, and I have the very great pleasure of a returning guest, possibly the first time anyone has made a second appearance. I'm not quite sure. It's Becky Harford, just across Cardiff from me, where I'm sitting. How are you, Becky? Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again. It was ages ago I was last on. Was it like 2018 or something? 2018. Yeah, way back when. Not much has happened in the the five years since then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been exactly the same. Yeah, well, other than tipping the world upside down. We were talking about uh, a project that you were uh, relatively recently founded at the time called Benthig, which is the Welsh word for to borrow, for the verb to borrow. And at that point, it was pretty much sort of just one pin in the map in Wales, close to home where you were living at that point. And in the five years since then, it's flourished, it's grown, it's expanded. Um, we're going to sort of revisit, basically, the project and the last uh, five years and what's happened in the meantime. Maybe explore some a little bit about what, what you think has perhaps driven that expansion. Um, and some of that might relate to some of the other things that were going on uh, in the in the world. Um, but by way of recap, do you want to say a little bit about yourself and give uh, by way of introduction? So, yeah, I'm Becky Harford. I'm uh, director and co-founder of Benthig Cymru. At the time when we spoke, we were just, we were Benthig Borrow Don't Buy. Uh, we weren't yet Benthig Cymru. So my background, I've done a bit of everything. I was a waitress for years and years and years and worked in shops, waitressing, that kind of thing. And then uh, in 2015, I got involved with uh, local library campaigning and following on from that, co-founded Rumley Forum, which was where the first Benthig was because it was all to do with the libraries closing down and we wanted to keep them in use. I like to start things. I like to be an instigator of stuff. So using my background in community development, activism, I've recently uh, working for Friends of the Earth, supporting the local groups with their campaigning. So I've done a bit of campaigning a bit of activism, done a bit of communications and some community development. So that is the foundation of what I've been doing and where I come from. We've known each other for, for, for a while and sort of lost touch maybe a little bit. And then I kind of reached out because I'd heard about this concept of a library of things, which is so easy to understand in some respects so obvious so obviously a, a good idea but doesn't exist in many places I mean there's a mission to to increase those number of places of course what what is a library of things if someone isn't familiar with that concept what would be the, the sort of like the elevator pitch then so it's a place where you can borrow things you need but don't own and donate things that you own but don't need so if you think about things um which maybe are too big to fit in your house or maybe you can't afford and and you wouldn't use very often so we are our most borrowed items are things like carpet cleaners pressure washers gazebos like that so it's stuff that um like i said you can't afford or haven't got space for but there's also an element of if you want to try something new, like a new hobby, you can borrow the stuff, try it out. So um, in North Wales, in the Petha, uh, libraries of things, they've got like uh, art kits that you can go away and try or cooking kits you can go away and try. So it's, it's just trying to um, 
stuff in use for as long as possible and democratise stuff so we've all got access to the stuff that we need when we need it, wherever we are. Yeah, and that, that D word, that democratised word, is, is something we tend to hear about a lot in community development in perhaps respect to things like you know participation and um, decision-making and things like that. But actually the access to things, access to uh, public space, for example, you know, the concept of the commons, this is just a variation on that, which is something that probably took me a while to kind of get my head around, to, to, to think of these items that are commodities, are things that we go out and buy. And, and with Christmas coming up, tends to be very much an emphasis on on spending you know, money that we don't necessarily have to hand and putting on the plastic on the never-never. This concept of democratising access to white goods, kitchen equipment, art sets, etc gazebos in many respects that goes against the grain of, of the large last sort of 40 50 60 years of, of how we consume things as a society it's really quite quite profound actually but you know it's, it's you know i remember my nan telling me stories about this goes back but like how there'd be like one phone on the street and if anybody needed to use the phone they'd go to their neighbor with the phone and i think we used to do it as a society and it's just in relatively recent history that we're not sharing stuff and the emphasis has been on stigma if you don't own it then you're not somehow good enough but it's it's trying to pull that back and go actually but there's so much stuff let's share it there's nothing wrong with sharing it it's better for you it's better for the planet why aren't we doing that more but obviously we're kind of fighting against a huge corporate machine so that's where we're at really is trying to change that mindset of people actually it's okay to share this stuff we can do that and and still feel like we've got something and we, we have that stuff and we can try this stuff out there was one at the time when we when we last chatted for this what's happened but where are you at now and, and what has perhaps driven that do you think you know whirlwind i'll tell you that for nothing during our time in rumney we've got some uh, landfill tax uh funding from wcva and we did that to employ somebody there at the benthic borrow don't buy in rumney and part of that was to create a toolkit so all our processes basically how to do it what you need to do it um was part of that project. So at the end of that project, we then had this uh, toolkit. Me, Jane and Ella, the three co-founders, we'd always wanted to trial it out and then do the toolkit and then share that with the rest of Wales, basically anybody who wanted to set up a library of things in their community. And it was always really important to us that um, we know that every community is different and we wanted to make sure that we had just a toolkit that people could take that and then set up a library of things in their community which fitted in with their community. And what I mean by that is maybe they're a, a urban community with a local community garden and they start off with the tools for the community garden, something like that. So it fits in with what people need where they are. And then in 2020, we then incorporated as a CIC and became Benthic Cymru. And from then, it was an absolute whirlwind. During this time, I think, I can't remember exactly when it was released, but there was the new Welsh Government programme. And during that, there was a, uh, in the, in the programme of government, there's a promise, I suppose, to open 80 repair and reuse hubs in Wales. And there's also the Beyond Recycling Strategy. Um, we were mentioned in the Beyond Recycling Strategy as, as a way to kind of reach the goals in that strategy. But things were on our side at this time. People were really interested in the concept. We actually incorporated in November 2020. So this was like halfway through the pandemic. So that was very interesting. So we've incorporated with the aim of setting up a network 
using our toolkit to support anybody in Wales who wanted to set up their own library of things in their community. And within that first year, I think we supported something like 12 communities. And at this time, Ella was the only full-time worker for Benthig and I was still working at Friends of the Earth. And it was just, it was a, it was a really intense period of growth. Calmed down somewhat now, but we've got more staff and stuff. But um, yeah. That's where we are now. So it's a combination of some relatively localised funding in the sense that, you know, you need to be within a certain radius of a, of a landfill site that helps. You've got, you know, national governmental strategies and, and priorities being articulated in, in, in manifestos. You've got people working their socks off <laughs> at that hyper-local level as well. It goes to show, doesn't it, yeah. uh, you know, not everything is identical in terms of the expansion and development of, of, of movements of, of organisations, but it's happening at different scales, isn't it? That development that's, that's pushed the organisation along. Well, it was something in the ether with that growth. It was just, there was a real sense of people mm. wanted to do it. And it seems like we had all the inquiries at, at one time. And like it was trying to like harness that potential that people were really interested in and 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 making it work for everyone. So it was a really interesting time, actually. I think we're on I think we're on 22 libraries of things in Wales now, which are all part of the network. As far as I'm aware, I don't think there's anybody in Wales doing a library of things which is not in the network. So that's a, we're the only ones in, in, in the world doing that, I think, where we're taking a networked approach. So we, you know, we really want people to be able to borrow whatever they want, wherever they are in Wales. And supporting the network is, is key to that goal, really. But it does need those local people to get involved. I mean, that's the that's the that's yeah. that's the you know the necessary kind of ingredient, is it, within any networked approach? If there's Benthic Cymru operating across that national scale, having the ear of government, etc., knowledge of funders and things like that. But actually, it can't just be parachuted. It can't just drop into a community. It can't just be taken off right. the shelf, ready made. It's got to bind on to, to something that's kind of happening locally. That appetite, as you said, people getting involved, making the inquiries. As I said, it's a fairly relatively simple concept, but of course, it's going against uh, you know generations worth of, of of wider kind of cultural attachment to, to owning things and buying things, as, as as we touched on. To what extent do we find that yes, you have those people locally who kind of get it in air quotes? How efficiently does it does does the message or the concept cascade out to other people? Do you find in your experience? Every single person that you speak to, you will find very few who will say it's a bad idea. So in people's imagination it's a really brilliant idea and everybody gets it straight away it's not a difficult concept to understand you can borrow the stuff that you need sometimes it doesn't translate into people going out and actually borrowing the stuff although we are seeing an increase in people wanting to borrow year on year so it's really hard to compare you know month by month because there's busier periods and busier seasons our summers tend to be the busiest across the network but we are seeing like year on year so i've got i have got some figures actually because um we've created a database where we can measure the carbon and cost savings across the, the whole network so in the two years october 2021 to the 30th of september 23 that across the network has been nearly 10,000 borrows that's quite a lot of borrows mm-hmm. which translates into 200,000 pounds savings like money savings and then the carbon savings is about just nearly 100 tons of co2 emissions so these are estimates but that's quite a lot of people borrowing for a small country so we just want to build on that really yeah we've got three prongs on our strategy it's accessibility awareness and sustainability 
And I think the accessibility thing is something that we are looking to get a grip on with the systems that we use and making it really easy for people to know where the library of things is and be able to access it. So I sometimes compare it to Amazon. Like I just want it to be where you can press a button and then you can either get something delivered or know when you can go and collect something. It's really close to your house within that idea of, you know, the 15 minute cities as well, where you can just mm. do everything you want within like a 15 minute walk. So that's a really key element of our strategy is that accessibility for people. And then obviously with the, you know, the number of borrows and it's, it's the awareness, how do we make people more aware that this is a thing that they want to do? And this all ties in with behavior change stuff. It's like we, we're trying to nudge people in the direction of thinking, actually, do I need to borrow that? Do I need to just click a button on Amazon? Or can I walk to my local library of things and borrow that and support the local community, reduce my consumption? And actually, I haven't got to have, have something gathering dust in the corner of my garage or in my attic or if you've got a small flat just in your hallway you know absolutely and and as you said it's such a such a simple concept in some ways but it's uh it is going against some of those things that's hardwired into us uh, yeah. in, in 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 lots of ways uh, in terms of say you know 15 minute city kind of concept when i came over to visit you in in rumney that time back in 2018 rumney's a you know a, a community in sort of like the you know the east of, of a, you know a fairly large city what if someone's listening to this and they're in a rural community where the concept of a 15-minute city is far less relevant how do rural communities get involved in this movement so this is one of the things that we kind of learned in the pandemic actually because we couldn't um give people access to the stuff indoors so we were looking this is when we got our first electric van and uh, that was in Cardiff thanks to Cardiff Council it was a partnership project with the Fair Cafe Wales and the idea was we take the repair and the stuff to people through that we developed a mobile toolkit I would say that there is significant challenges you know between urban and rural and obviously that 15 like you say that 15 minute city concept doesn't work if you're in like rural north wales or or wherever wherever you happen to be but it's definitely on our radar there's actually in denbyshire there's bus benthic which is not something that we run ourselves but they're part of the network they're run by an amazing um cic up there called resource and they've got like a mobile it's an old mcmillan cancer van and they go to different parts because uh, it's quite rural, so they'll be they'll go around and they've actually got the items inside the van. So there's there's a couple of options if you are rural. There's you know having the actual something like bus benthic, or having delivery from a static site facility. We're working on the system to allow us to do that in a much more way that makes sense and saves time and money. And so uh, it's definitely something that we think about and are trying to develop and understand. Yeah, yeah, and of course, a mobile library of books is is not an alien concept to no. to people in rural communities or indeed people outside of rural communities. They'll be they'll understand that. So yeah, so Busbenthig and and the mobile van again, it's not rocket science, is it? Really, in in, in many respects. Uh, interesting that you yeah. mentioned that uh, you know it's a local authority in Cardiff that has that has worked strategically with you to make that van available we mentioned government previously i mean what about i don't know housing providers for example what what potential benefit is this concept of a library of things and, and how benthic operates as a network to maybe a large housing association a large social housing provider who has a you know a duty of care uh, as it were for for its tenants and residents yeah so that's always been something that we've thought about and wanted to support be involved with an example i can give you is, our, is another partnership project is our um we make shop in Newport, which is on Skinner Street in Newport, on the High Street. So it's a High Street repair and reef shop. 
I think is Wales's first, but don't hold me to that. And that was in partnership with a housing association. And but they have above the shop on Skinner Street, they've got um, housing association flats. And the idea was that uh, the shop underneath the, the library of things and the repair space would be, uh, you know, really convenient and for those tenants to use. It's an amazing place in in Newport. I really uh, encourage anyone to go there. They're doing so well there. It's um, making money. It's, you know, it's really, it's like a real community hub, but like it's grown organically and it's great. And those tenants, I don't think they've moved in yet, but that was always the idea. So it's as with anything in the third sector, it always takes uh, twice as long as you think it's going to take. So we're still on on the journey with that. And also we've been in Remake, they've been looking at um, referral schemes. You know, so if if somebody can't afford something or whatever the reason is, maybe the housing association can refer to Benthic Cymru or uh, the Library of Things or refer to Get Fixed. So that idea of the maybe not social prescribing, but that idea that you can get a referral. Um, to go there. So it's, it's, it's highlighting that as a service for people. People borrow stuff for different reasons. So it's not just, oh, if you can't afford it. That's, I mean, that's why I, my personal journey to it was because I couldn't afford a lawnmower. And I thought, amazing, if you could borrow it from a library and because I was involved in the library campaigning. But it's not just people like me. It's people who were worried about consumerism. So there's no stigma attached to it. It's not like, oh, you're poor, you need to go and borrow something. It's like, no, this is like a community service and I and like I'd really say in, in this day and age with cost of living and stuff, it's a really necessary service rather than just like a nice to have. And I think that's what we need people to realise and get on board with. Actually this is like an essential service and should be seen maybe as a service rather than just something nice to have. Yeah. You mentioned a bit earlier this this sense that you it's about extending the life of things. So things that people own but they don't need, clearly too good for landfill. They don't want to be fussed with, you know, selling on Facebook or whatever it might be, keeping it local and still of course available for them to use on the odd occasion they want to use it, obviously. Yeah. This concept of the circular economy, isn't it? Where we, we try to extend the life of of things, all sorts of different things, electrical items, white goods, tools, that kind of thing. Again, that's a concept that's kind of growing, but We've also heard of the foundational economy and we've heard of these concepts of, of, of degrowth and, and a solidarity economy. So if somebody who's working maybe in a fairly middle of the road, in air quotes, role in community development and they're working with, with, with local people and they'll be involved in, I don't know, play facilities and, 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 and youth clubs and, and, and services for older people and, and some low level and maybe environmental work. Is, is there a danger, playing devil's advocate a little bit here, is there a danger all of these different kind of economic concepts feel a little bit abstract, they feel a bit remote from what they're doing? What would be the appeal to, uh, or what would be the call to action then is a better way of putting it to a community development worker who's listening to this thinking, this is a good idea, but where, where do I start? What, what what relevance does that have to my work on, on this on this estate I'm, I'm based on or in this neighbourhood I'm, I'm, I'm working in? The, the possibilities are actually limitless for stuff like that. I mean, if for an example, if you're working in... Uh, an old people's home and you want to have a party and you want to have a karaoke machine and some lights and make it a bit special why would you spend money on 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 buying that and having somewhere to store it why wouldn't you borrow it from a library of things and have a nice party for your residents or equally if you're working with the youth service what about having um you know if you if you need to do an event or something like that there's really it's 
it's, it's to do with what what you can imagine. What do you what do your service users need and want? What are you supporting them with? What do they need? And a lot of the time, stuff can be put into a library of things and borrows when you need it. It's not, um, you know, everybody knows what it's like in third sector or public sector. There's no space for anything. There's like, oh, can I borrow a beer cupboard to put this in or whatever? There's no way to store anything. So I think looking up on it as a resource for them as well is the way to think about it. It's like you're, we're, we're providing you with items which maybe you, you haven't got funding to afford or, and we're always looking for partnership projects as well. Like um, I've just been talking to um, somebody in Cardiff actually, and they run, uh, they call Neural Spicy Playdates. So they're for um, people with ADHD or any um, uh, autism. So neurodivergent people. And we're looking at getting some art supplies to keep in the Benthic there that can be used for these, uh, they're called like Neural Spicy Playdates where, so like a lino press or things that can be reused, but They've got nowhere to store them because they're just like pop-up um, sessions, like once a week or whatever. So, you know, stuff like that, it's, it's, it's all happening. And, they, and I would encourage people to just try it out. Obviously, we've got our toolkit. Uh, and if people are just interested in the idea and they can't vision how it would work, just get in contact with us. We've got two development officers. We've got somebody covering North and West Wales, uh, Welsh speaker, and then South Wales. We've got um, development officers in South Wales. And obviously, yourself, Russ, who's covering Cardiff, I'm sure they can come to you if they're in Cardiff to chat about the possibilities. Worlds collide, worlds collide. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I was genuinely so impressed by one, the simplicity of the idea, but also, what's the word, D- dumbfounded at the same time as to why is something so simple not so readily available? That I'd kept that sort of watching brief, obviously things like the pandemic kind of um, disrupted an awful lot of things. Uh, another one opened up sort of a bit closer to where I live in Cardiff than in um, the, the, than the one in Rumley that I visited at um, Ely, uh, or in Ely at uh, Ace Action uh, in Cairo and Ely. Kimberly, um, who's now left Ace, um, joined the podcast about 18 months ago, talking about their Bereavement Cafe project, their grief space project over there, which again, which was a phenomenal project. And again, it's such a simple idea. So signed up to that. And um, well, cut a long story short, here, here I am trying to push the idea out of the nest a little bit more in, in Cardiff. And as you said, there's other people uh, working with across Wales. Um, and certainly I'm finding very much what you've said on a, on a day-to-day basis. You mention this to people and people kind of go, what a good idea. What a simple idea. But there's a, a little bit of an inertia in there in terms of then actually taking those next steps. And I think that's where community development really can really add value to it. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways in which it can, but it's kind of mobilizing people. And once you've mobilized, you know, one or two, then a, then a, then a third becomes a little bit easier. And, and then maybe a fourth and a fifth get on board. And then when people who are those local champions get involved, and it has that visibility as well. That's the other thing. So again, when you get that, that point about the stigma that you, that, you, that you referred to, you know, it isn't a service for, in air quotes, poor people only. Um, anybody can get involved, whatever their motivation and benefit. Um, but that visibility I think reduces that potential stigma. Should there be a, should, should should there be a you know on the part of some people? So I think there is a role for old-fashioned traditional community development, and that was one of the things that appealed to me when the role was made available and and I heard about it because it was an opportunity to get a little bit of dirt under the fingernails, I suppose. Fundamentally, about people, isn't it? And you yeah. know, showing people that they can do this is what what it's about isn't it and showing people that this is like you say it's not just for one type of people this is for everyone and 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 you know being on the ground and speaking to people is the best way of doing that isn't it
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you mentioned the toolkit. Yeah, so the toolkit is actually just for network members, but it's free to be a net. It's free to be a network member, um, and so then it'll be free to access the toolkit. We do. Um, so we've got like three tiers. Um, our toolkit is born of blood, sweat, and tears. If you like, we we've, we've made all the mistakes. So I really encourage you, if you are thinking of it, to if someone's listening now thinking, oh, I, I'd like to get involved with this. You know, get in contact with us either via the website. Uh, well, via the website, actually, on the contact form, it'd be like, I'm interested in starting a library of things. And then somebody will get in contact with you, and then we can sign you up to the network. Uh, well, we'll see where you are first. We've got like a triage um, kind of system. We'll see where you are with things, and then um, advise you, show you the toolkit, et cetera, et cetera. Further to that, if you're just at that kind of stage, or you just want that level of involvement, we can go up to all the way to managing a project for you. So we're here to kind of support what the needs of where you are, uh, what you need where you are. So if you're just, if you're like a local authority, we can, you know, support you through that. If you're a small hyperlocal uh, organization, we can also support you. But key thing is to come and chat with us so we can assess um, what the best thing is to support you with, basically. Because that is a key message, isn't it? There's not a one-size-fits-all no. library of things no. model that every community can get hold of it, it it very much needs to suit the the geography demography that local fabric of of community organizations that exist who's already maybe engaged in things to do with the circular economy or involved with repair cafes or involved with you know other activities contributing to sort of sustainable living and, and, and things like that and reducing carbon so yeah but that not a one-size-fits-all message is is key isn't it yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got uh, Petha in North Wales is run by a um, like a group of different communities of community organisations. One of them, I think, the lead partners partner is Ogwen uh, in the north. But they they actually cited in um, public libraries there. So the libraries manager is really interested in spreading that concept to more public libraries. So we've got them in public libraries. We've got them in we've got like Busbenthig. I've already mentioned Splot is in a shipping container on you know a community site with community gardens etc so really you can do it where you are it, it you just there's a few key considerations that you need to kind of think about but we take you through them they like space if you've got the space if you've got the people uh, there's like insurance there's safety so there are a few kinds of key things that we'll talk through with you um but we've been there and we've done that and we can definitely definitely help yeah 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 and we're wearing the t-shirt to prove it yeah <laughs> there's a christmas campaign coming up uh, magic moments don't cost the earth and it's very much around encouraging people giving them almost giving them permission a little bit i suppose to to not feel obliged to have to spend a huge amount of money um, in the run-up to Christmas, over Christmas, whether that's on presents, gifts, uh, you know, all of the other trimmings, food for all the talk uh, this week and last uh, in the UK with a you know UK government budget uh, announcement, you know, inflation is falling. Inflation on food is still remaining stubbornly high, and that's something we all we all buy and consume a lot of at Christmas. And it, it's very much around encouraging people to spend time and invest in time. And within that is a, is, a, is a trying to develop this culture of borrowing, but to spend time rather than spending money that they that they may not have or is going to be on the never-never. It's on a credit card to be paid off over the next 12 months. Well, interest rates are the, pretty much the only tool that the government has in which to tackle high inflation. So... You, 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 there's a danger you're going to get you're going to get squeezed whichever way you do it but it's to encourage people to say well listen do you know what we don't have to do it this way we can do it a different way to perhaps the alternative but again it's going against stuff that's 
almost very much hardwired into us, societally speaking, isn't it? It's not a small task that the campaign is uh, is looking to set itself, is it, really? Look, I'm like everybody else. I, I go into the supermarket at Christmas and then I come home and I'm like, how have I spent all this money? And then at the end of Christmas, I'm like chucking stuff away and I, I just the guilt about it. So it's not about, um you know, making your whole Christmas you know like a really simple christmas still you know it's 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 more about the message of you know just try one thing maybe it's instead of buying a karaoke machine for when when all your when your friends and family come over you borrow one instead so it's not about saying you can't buy anything this christmas you ca- you can't do this it's about it's not about like stopping people it's more about saying why don't you try this try borrowing some board games instead of buying them try shop sell all these board games where do they all go <laughs> <laughs> where are all the board games gone how are people still selling them um the shelf. you know let, under the stairs yeah they're on you know they're on the shelves you know, search on our website to find your nearest library of things and then you can have a look on their catalog they'll send you a link there'll be a, there'll be a link on our website to your nearest library of things and i'm linked to their catalog and you can have a little look and some most of them have got like a party section you can have a look in there or maybe if you've got um friends coming over or uh you know anything like that you, you need some extra cooking utensils even stuff like that you can you can borrow instead of having to buy again so yeah it's about those magic moments and trying to make make them about people not things yeah absolutely it's not preaching a about having a you know parsimonious Christmas on the part of people. It's about being celebratory. It's yeah. about spending time and some and and some money if on on, on treats and, and things like that. But it's about okay, there might be some alternative ways to you know the Christmas that that has become the norm for for people. Um, and so hopefully that'll that'll resonate. Stressful trying to have this um, like perfect Christmas, and I think a lot of this. You know, there's a lot of stress that people are under to have this image of the, the John Lewis Christmas, you know, and it's just not true. Even if you can afford it, Christmas is just not like that, you know. So it's trying to um, just for myself included and talking to myself, you know, don't don't get sucked in by it. Let's try and just take a step back and maybe borrow some stuff instead of buying it and see where we are and see if it works and let's, you know, do it together. So if you're a community worker listening to this, maybe one of the small asks would be to okay, visit the website, look maybe more locally if you're outside of Wales, indeed outside of the UK, look locally to see what you've got. But maybe then consider what your role could be, maybe as a catalyst to kind of bring some people together, to have those conversations, to legitimise the idea, to make it something that um, people sit up and pay attention to. And who knows, there could be one or two people that are really, really uh, keen on running with it so that it's not ending up um, being another th- another task, another project on, on your plate. Um and it could be something that brings some other people maybe who who you aren't aware of, who aren't engaging in your community work activity to date, to get involved, because it's something that really kind of motivates them. And as you said, it's uh, starting with the people, start with what motivates them, start with what matters. And I think that the broad appeal that this have, it's yes, it's around saving space, getting rid of items that you don't need. Yes, it's about saving money. So not buying things that we that we, that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we, <laughs> we don't know, um, or maybe even like. <laughs> helping yeah. to save the planet as well, extending the life of things, keeping them out of landfill, reducing the, the consumption of carbon. It's got a socioeconomic, it's got a, a, a anti-consumerist, it's got a, you know, a sustainable living, an environmental angle to it. 
there can't be many people for whom there isn't something that is a, a primary kind of motivation. And that in itself is, is, is rare when you're looking at projects, initiatives, to have such a potential broad appeal for people. Loved it to, to date the couple of months been involved. Really looking forward to, 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 to staying on the, on the journey with you all. And hopefully in, I don't know, five years' time, are we going to set ourselves a target when we get together around this microphone? How many will there be then in Wales and the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I was speaking to a guy from, um, runs an organisation in Newport, and he's from Zimbabwe. And he does like cultural kinds of exchanges. And he was like, oh, could we do this in Zimbabwe? And I was like, yes, you could definitely do this in Zimbabwe. Let's, let's be tough. So who knows? We might, um, might have one in Zimbabwe in five years' time. Okay, well, there we go. Uh, I know we've got some listeners in Kenya. I'd have to go back into the, the dashboard to see whether we get many listeners in Zimbabwe. But um, but yeah, but uh, certainly in terms of the IACD, and we've been, we've done a couple of episodes with the IACD, the International Association of Community Development. I know Daniel Moyer there. He's based in Nairobi. We have some uh, contacts in, uh, in, in in southern Africa more broadly. So uh, yeah, maybe um, maybe that would be one to, uh, to to be talking about in five years' time at the very least. Becky, I'm really grateful for your time. Drop a load of contacts and things in the in the show notes but is there anything else that you'd uh, you'd like to say before we wrap up and let you carry on with your day no really thank thank you to be here and i would really just if anybody's interested in the idea or the concept we're a friendly lot and we'd love you to get in contact even if it's just for a chat maybe sign up to our newsletter you can do that via the website and just try and borrow something this year thank you for listening to the community development podcast You can follow the podcast on Twitter at comdevtpodcast, C-O-M-M-D-E-V-T podcast. And to support the podcast and help it share learning, connect the workforce and raise the profile and the merits of community development approaches, why not become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the CD podcast.